हेलो एवरीवन वेलकम टू स्पोर्ट्स चर्चा होप एवरीवन इज सेफ एंड वेल दिस एपिसोड इज अ ट्रिब्यूट टू व्हाट कुड नेवर हैव बीन द यूरोपियन सुपर लीग अ लीग दैट प्रेजेंटेड इटसेल्फ एज अ सेवियर ऑफ द स्पोर्ट बट इवेंचुअली वाज अ रादर एक्सपेंसिव गेम ऑफ स्मोक्स एंड मिरर्स बट व्हाट डू यू एक्सपेक्ट फ्रॉम बिलियनियर ओनर्स हु केयर मोर अबाउट लोगोस ऑन देयर जर्सीज देन द स्टार्स अराउंड देयर एम्ब्लम्स हु बेटर टू टॉक अबाउट दिस फियास्को then an ancient hermit from thane aka bala and an uber stylish bandra boy aka me we love our facts but we never let it come in the way of a good story by the time you hear this episode the european super league would most probably be dead apart from continuing to be fiorentino perez's wet dream but screw it here we are and you have to listen to it hi i'm ishan Welcome back. Uh we have Bala here who's had a tumultuous week losing the Clasico then winning a trophy so congratulations Bala but so much has happened in the last week in football it's I mean it's almost like a little ridiculous it doesn't even happen in career mode in FIFA so many dramatic moves and uh, so yeah lots to talk about uh but let's get straight into it the most important thing that is being you know that's creating waves around the world the creation of the european super league so bala just before you know before we get into the meat of this what are your initial thoughts about it i wasn't surprised uh, but it is very interesting to know where these numbers are coming from why the clubs have taken this decision first reaction was obviously very disappointing to see that teams try to take advantage of their legacy and say that hey we have won this competition so many times so we want permanent membership we want permanent money or residency yeah permanent residency all the time it felt disappointing at that at that time but then when you when you start listening to more and more arguments when you start reading more and more uh, uh perspectives uh you try to see where these clubs are coming from at many level i understand their point of view but you cannot ignore the other emotional and passionate point of view from your football fans it's a classic case of capitalism versus democracy i was ex- i was just going to say that i think you're bang on about that because you know while a lot of you know if you read it on read on twitter and you know sports pundits they're going completely against it but i think you also as you rightly pointed out need to understand where these big clubs are also coming from it is a fact that all these big clubs contribute the majority of the funds and financials commercials for a european champions league or in european football in general right media everything around media revolves around them so why don't they get a greater piece of the pie when it comes down to funds being distributed back to them by uefa or whoever so that is a fair point uh, big clubs have been hit far far worse in covid than the smaller clubs because they re- rely on you know ticket sales commercial merchandise which cannot happen right now due to no fans being there in stadiums so there are a lot of these subliminal aspects that the big clubs need to look at and that have caused them a lot of financial stress yes a lot of them have managed their clubs really poorly that to reach this level if you take you know i've been reading about reading about bayern munich right they're such a well managed club that 
they can even afford not to be part of this and still be sustainable and that is all they've always been the best case practice in managing a club right and dortmund are the same they're partly managed by the people partly managed have ownership as well i want to ask you one question you know i understand why the premier league clubs took this step because a lot of it is around money but there's a lot of it around you know there are big name clubs they are worth a lot of money but they're not in europe for example if you look at tottenham and uh, arsenal right they are in the top 10 richest clubs in the world but they are not consistent in europe they're probably not even there uh, so i understand their perspective their their costs far outweigh the rewards they reap i understand their perspective but what intrigued me was about you know clubs clubs in italy and clubs in spain as many i understand barcelona they are in a financial struggle they need that influx of capital but they're also managed partly by the people why do you think that and they're also driven greatly by fans if you look at the catalonia fans of barcelona you look at you know the madridistas for real madrid you know the nerazuris for inter milan the hardcore ultra level fans why would they do this to them why do you think so it's very interesting you brought in three different Uh, stages in where the clubs are, uh, especially the three countries we are discussing about England, Spain, and Italy. Like before getting deep into it, let's just give a very brief idea for listeners who don't know much about what the Super League is and why it happens on and so forth. So we'll just quickly run through the facts, quickly run through what has happened. To start with, this European Super League has been in discussions more than last two and a half years, if I'm not wrong, easily around two two and a half years. This has been in the discussion. that the big clubs in europe uh, especially driven by uh, real madrid barcelona and juventus these are the three clubs who drove this with uh, help from liverpool and manchester united so these are the five clubs who were actually driving this right from the, the founding members yeah you can call the founding members these five clubs were driving this entire project because they were simply not happy with how uefa is functioning how uefa is handling things especially with respect to champions league so they wanted to break away for a while now what has happened over the last one year is this covid has given them a greater reason to take the next big step to have proof that hey your model is not working because in your model because of this issue we are not making money now we have a simple other outlet to go so we'll go there now what these clubs did is they again sent out feelers to all the other bigger clubs in and around europe it's a 20 club uh, championship where you have your 15 18 for no, the, the, the last one i read was 20 so the, which was 20, 20 where yeah. you have 15 clubs who will have the legacy status which means those 15 clubs will always be there then you will have these five clubs who keeps rotating into relegation and promotion and what they have been promised is consistent cash flow from this also uh, bala just to add i think for people who are listening to us and probably don't know what the hell we are talking about this is in just in a layman's term this is almost like creation of a parallel league uh, almost like an nba or a baseball where you know there are a fixed number of teams who won't won't change and they will play against each other winner of that wins the european super league but the money remains within those set of clubs it does not go out it does not get shared with other clubs 
So it becomes their own bubble of sorts. So that's the model they want to work on. It's like an Amiro ka ICL, bro. <laughs> uh, no, it's also very interesting that you gave two specific sports as example. Yes. After discussing Europe, after discussing England, Spain and Italy, we'll have to discuss America also because America plays a major, major role in this entire Huge role, thing yeah. because this is their system. This is how they work. Your NFL, as you rightly pointed out, NBA all work within this model where you have a set of 20 teams and yeah. that 20 teams will play all the time and they'll get the uh, share. Yeah. Uh, before getting too deep into that, that's that's another that's a, that's a very very interesting perspective yeah. to look into. That's another podcast because how everything regarding transfers will have to change, uh, contracts will have to change if they want to fit into their small universe. But we have another detailed podcast for that as well. Exactly the reason why I have been like equally fascinated and worried at the same time over the last forty eight yeah. hours. This is what what we think the Super League is and what we have read so far. So you have these, so right now out of those 15 clubs we discussed, 12 have signed a letter of intent. They have agreed, officially agreed to join. Uh, this includes your six clubs from England, uh, Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs, Man City. Then three clubs from Spain, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid. Three clubs from Italy, Juventus, Inter Milan and AC Milan. Now, there are clubs who are supposed to sign but haven't signed, believed to be our PSG, Bayern, and there have been talks going on with clubs like Benfica, Dortmund, Porto, all these Plan B clubs. The Plan A clubs don't work out. These are the Plan B clubs. Yeah. Now, as on today, we are recording on 20th April. This is around 10.20 a.m. As on today, Bayern have come out and publicly said that we are not going to be a part of this. PSG haven't made any public statement yet. Pretty much every German club has come out and said that we are not signing this, including clubs like RB Leipzig, who is the eternal bad boy yeah. of Bundesliga. So even they have come out and said that they are against this. So this is how the state is right now. Now, let's talk about who all are going to get affected by this. Now, there is this whole bunch of stakeholders who are going to get affected by this. First, you have fans. Then you have other clubs who are playing in the same league. You have sports administrators, which includes your UEFA, FIFA, includes the administrators of ESL. The clubs, the, the 12 participating clubs in itself, what's going to happen to them? And more and individual countries' leagues, individual countries' yeah. football associations. And most importantly, on top of all this, Governments are getting involved in this. Yeah. Yes, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson came out and publicly said that we will do whatever we can do to stop this. Their cultural minister Oliver Dowden made a statement today or yesterday in parliament about this. He said we will yeah. allow UEFA to sort this out. If they don't sort this out, we will enter. We will interfere. We will make sure we'll do whatever we can within our past to stop this. Prince William have come out and spoke about this. This has absolutely exploded England top to bottom because they, as a fan, as a country who created this game, who invented this game, and it's their national sport also, what they feel is that their values have been stolen for greed, for money. That is their 
point of view but i have a contrary thing to that right football started as an elitist sport like any other sport created by the british no no actually wrong football is actually the uh, the workman sport the elitist sport in england at that point of time was cricket i mean cricket is too elitist you know the concept of hat trick right i mean i'm no. slightly digressing but it's a very interesting trivia the concept of hat trick is when a bowler bowls and he takes three wickets next next ball it's a great trick so what the bowler does is he take out takes out his hat and goes and begs money takes money from the crowd around him the reason is in those days when cricket was being played in in the in the mid 80s sorry mid 1800s late 1800s it's the lords who used to yeah. bat your lords you used to bat and the bowlers are basically your servants and slaves so the slaves and the servants used to bowl and when they take uh, three wickets the watchers the viewers who are again lords and all these rich guys will tip them these guys have to take out their hat and do this it's that's that's called hat trick wow so when we say hat trick we are actually reliving a very sad moment in the human history fun fact brought to you by bala going back to the point that football is a, a, a workman sport uh the game itself is very harsh very rowdy and all that thing so it's the it's the working class people it's a it's a perfect blue collar game it was invented uh, in fact that is one another point that keeps coming out is that this game was invented by the poor but taken away by the yeah. rich that's where the government is coming from now let's look at each clubs now let's talk about the founding members itself because we should not ignore them we can't just go out and say that these are 12 absolutely evil people with horns and tails and coming out and doing bad things to everyone around them before uh, bala before we get into that i just wanted to point out i was reading the reason why psg is a little muted right now is that khalifi who uh, who is their ceo uh, and boss basically is on the advisory board of uefa but over and above that he is the ceo of bn sports which is the exclusive media partner of the champions league so at this very moment he cannot do very much uh i'm pretty sure there will be a if this league goes ahead you cannot have it without psg paris is where the money is at in a way um so that will happen but i for people listeners who do not know i am probably are confused as to why a club like psg are not saying anything this could be one of the major reasons that's a very important point to bring in i mean that is the reason why psg are holding on to this because they have their own personal interest. yeah i wanted to separate that from say a bayern's angle because there are two very different angles and bayern deserves the plaudits they get for this uh, whoever is on the not on the super league side so they deserve that i don't want to bucket them with psg so i just wanted that yeah coming back to the point why these 12 clubs did it so, uh, the english clubs the top english clubs released their financial statements and according to that uh hmm. they lost a total of about 1.3 billion pounds or 1.3 billion euros uh across the 2019-20 season their okay. combined loss was about 1.3 billion dollars and this is without liverpool's financial statement still being out so it's only going to add to it but 1920 seasons only in the latter half were they no fans right exactly exactly the following my follow up point especially this being the fact that that season only had last 3 months of games taken away okay so even then they had a massive fallout of 1.5 billion accumulated in total so okay. that is one of the main reasons why clubs were actually very scared that they might have to close down so they took this 
massive step. Now, what this ensures, as we pointed out earlier, is a financial stability. It makes sure that these clubs get a consistent flow of fund irrespective of their on-field performance. So what happens for a big club like, let's say, Liverpool or Manchester United? Okay, Manchester United, it's not a great example here because they are, they generate a lot of money. In fact, they are the only club right now in that 1920 season who posted profits. Yeah. But not because of their football, right? That's because of the brand they are. It's because their brand they are. But the point is they can invest that money in the football. Now the brand got yeah. developed because of football yeah. in the first place. Yeah. Glazers use Manchester United as a siphoning, as a personal ATM. Yeah. It's a known yeah. fact. There is no yeah. uh, there's no surprise there. Now, True. this is where these, these uh, owners came from. They said like, hey, we need to make two-year, three-year plans. When we make two-year, three-year plans, when we plan our next big purchase, when we plan our next big stadium, when we plan our next big investment, we need to have a certain level of assurance in terms of whether we are going to get consistent flow of money over a period of time. Now, when something like COVID or something like this happens, our one source of income is completely blocked. They uh, Clubs make somewhere about uh, 15 to 20% through uh, ticket sales, through ticket sales, through uh, hospitality, uh, stadium hospitality and everything. So that 20% is gone. There's a big hole in that 20%. So they want to fill that 20% with this money. That these clubs would have expected this amount of backlash. It will be a little ridiculous to think that they'll be surprised to see, oh my God, people are so against it. It's a great idea. I mean, they know that there's going to be backlash. So how are they going to handle this backlash? I was reading this interview from uh, uh, interview by Florentino Perez. Perez is the new chairman of this European Super League. Florentino Perez is the president of Real Madrid. We talked about English clubs. Now, since we are segueing into Real Madrid, let's talk about the Spanish clubs, how they function. Now, all these six English clubs are owned by some owners or a group of owners. Like say, for example, in, in, in case of United, they are owned by this American family, billionaire family called Glazers. Uh, Liverpool is owned by Fenway Sports Group. Fenway Sports Group is, uh, is the one who runs, I think, Boston, Boston Red, Sox. Red Sox. Boston Red Sox is their team. And they have one more team and they run Liverpool also. Uh, then you have Arsenal run by Stan Kroenke, who is an American billionaire. Uh, Chelsea run by Abramovich, who is a Russian billionaire. Man City run by the entire United Arab Emirates country. And Tottenham, we don't know who runs. No one knows who runs Tottenham. Uh, it's a different case altogether. But the point is, the point to note is, five, confirm five out of the six owners are not from England or not from the western part of Europe. Mm, very interesting point. Then, let's say, go to Spain. The three Spanish clubs, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid and Barcelona. Now, Real Madrid and Barcelona are very uniquely owned clubs. Now, Florentino Perez, who is the president of Real Madrid and Joan Laporta, who is the latest president of Barcelona, these people don't own the club. Uh, let's make it very clear, they don't own the club. What they do is they run. They run the club, but they don't own the club. The clubs are actually owned by a group of fans. Real Madrid is owned by a big group of fans, same way Barcelona are owned by a big group of fans. They, let's call them members, permanent members of the club. So any major decision will always be taken by these group of members through voting. Now, there is a slight difference between the administrative points of how Real Madrid and Barcelona operate. Let's don't go too deep into it. That's not our aim here. Yeah. 
But ultimately, the idea is this is not a one person's decision. Now, even if it's a one person's decision, it has to come with certain level of consensus from that members, from their individual members. Now, we haven't seen any major reaction from either the Madristas or uh, the Kulas. I think they're called Kulas. I don't know what they're called. The Barcelona. Kulas. Kulas so or whatever, whosoever the Barcelona board members are. And same way, the, the, the core Real Madrid members are. So we don't, we haven't got anything from them. But what we know is Florentino Perez have come out and given a massive interview, like a very detailed interview where he goes on about how UEFA is being very badly handled. And this is one of the uh, reasons why we wanted to break away. And they have been telling UEFA for a very long time to get their act together. So it's their way of protesting. It's their way of saying that we don't want you guys, we don't want to be with you anymore. We want to go out. But he still wants to stick to the one point that this is better for football. This is better for football. He's kind of keep harping on that same point that this is not something anti-football, which is how it's being generally perceived by the other sections of the society. But what he wants to come out and say that this is not against football. This is merely to show that all these clubs are in a very great financial distress. And this is the best way out for the clubs and in turn for the football pyramid also. It's it's a valid point. I'm not going to contest it. I completely agree with what you said. But, you know, I have an issue with the fundamentals of the clubs being selected for this, uh, you know, the Super League. Because is it based on merit or is it based on financials because if you look at merit right the big clubs of spain you know apart from real madrid and barcelona the third most successful club in spanish history is athletic bilbao right it's not atletico madrid atletico madrid on a societal level the reason they have fans is because they're a workman's club that's why they hate Real Madrid, who's always been the white collar, the royal club, because it's the rich versus poor. Now, them being a part of this elitist Super League group makes them on par at one level, at least in terms of perception, with Real Madrid, right? They're not different, right? Uh, when you look at, you know, financial, like what are these clubs going to contribute, you know, in terms of return, in terms of money, you know? AC Milan and Inter Milan aren't one, what they used to be financially. If you look at the Forbes list right now, you have a West Ham Everton being on par with an AC Milan and Inter Milan in terms of revenues. So it cannot, you can't just say it's on the big club success uh, because if you're looking at revenue, then why aren't you actually taking the clubs that actually make the revenue, which are the smaller clubs, right? Now, I understand coming back to just what your point is and i think i'm open to everyone who's going to be listening to this podcast to help me understand what was the selection process you guys might know what i don't right now when it comes to what perez said about it being better for football right it is almost a very american perspective and i know where that came from because of the glazers everyone it's the perspective that everyone watches us if we don't exist in the sport nobody the sport doesn't exist it's basically the you know the ostrich scenario right like the world exists just around my horizon it doesn't exist beyond it uh it deeply impacts everything to do with football because you know everyone for example if this league goes through everyone will be all tv rights will go to this obviously because who would not want to watch a real madrid barcelona every alternate week uh, i have another take on that which i'll get to but i'm saying who will watch the smaller clubs 
right? What will happen to them? They will go into complete irrelevance. And those are the majority of the world supports the smaller clubs when you look at it in pockets. If you look at England, right? You know, the ha- hardcore fans are not always Anfield, Old Trafford, Stamford Bridge, Emirates. They are the Leeds United. They are the West Ham's, Everton's. They are, you know, even say Stoke City, Sunderland. So what, what will happen to those clubs? So that's why I understand where you said, you know, government's coming because this breaks, you know, fractures a lot of things at a very societal level in terms of perceptions of how society is run. Do the rich continue being encouraged to get richer just because they have they believe that they have eyeballs? Or can a better solution be found? I still believe there is a solution that I feel this is a card the big clubs have given, played with UEFA to say, this is our threat. What are you going to do about it? I feel it still feel that that's the way they are playing it. And that's the way it's always going to be because they're lucky fans are not watching these games. Because I would... If yesterday, for example, Leeds United versus Liverpool had fans and it was at home, right? I cannot imagine what the reaction would have been. I would, I would actually, I would think that the Liverpool fans would probably support Leeds in protest. You will never walk alone. You're just completely changing the entire fundamental values of your club by doing this. And that is my core issue. I completely understand the capitalistic perspective about big clubs, you know, having a lot of strain financially and wanting to do this. But at football is an emotional sport when and both of us love it because of the emotions involved, not because of the money involved, because, you know, we could do with some of the money, but we don't have any, right? Uh, we just have the emotion. Now, if you're taking away emotion... What would both of us do if Barcelona and Real Madrid play each other every alternate week? It won't be the Clásico that it is right now, where they play two twice a year and hopefully sometimes in the Champions League, where the stakes are way higher. A Clásico will have no merit when the Clásico will happen again in two weeks or in the next year because, you know, they didn't work out this way. It's just, there's no nothing at stake. They're still going to be in the league. So... There's a lot of these softer issues that need resolving or we need clarity on, which is not happening. Everything is just being played on social media or by the media uh, at a very high macroscopic level. Uh, We need to understand how this will affect everything. And as you said, we need a proper separate podcast just to get into every minutia about it. Since you talked about this, who's going to watch these games? Who's going to watch any other sport other than any other event other than at the El Clasico that's happening. Uh, Now that brings us to the most important stakeholder of this entire thing, which is the fans, because they are the ones who are going to determine the success or failure of this entire operation. Now it is very, very clear that the clubs who have decided to start European Super League or let's talk about not the clubs, let's talk about JP Morgan. So they are going to fund this, they are going to give about $6 billion and they are going to initially spend about 4 billion euros uh, distributed across these 12 clubs as joining bonus or something like that. Okay. Now the question is how are they going to generate that amount of money? Now if you quickly see, Champions League generates about uh, 200 to 250 million dollars, sorry, million, I keep saying dollars, million euros per uh, season, I believe. Let me, I'll confirm the numbers, but on the top of my head, this is how they make. Now, Real Madrid, 
uh, in this season, uh, according to what their performance in this season, they could bag somewhere about 100 million euros out of Champions League alone this time. Now, they are one of the semi-finalists. They are going to bag about 100 million euros. Now, Real Madrid's point is we are semi-finalists. We need more than 100 million euros. If they do the same performance in a European Super League, we'll get 200 million euros. Hmm. Why they think they get 200 million euros? Because they are sure that their fans, their millions of fans around the world will watch their games. Now, it also gives these clubs opportunities to sell their image rights, their TV rights by themselves. So what you and I can do is that I can enroll myself, I can sign up myself for a Barca TV for let's say $1 a month or $10 a year and I get to watch some 15 games on their YouTube channel. Yeah, in subscriptions. Now imagine the amount of fans that Real Madrid and Barcelona, clubs like Real Madrid and Barcelona have across the world. So what they are losing on stadium going fans, they are going to earn double with social media with fans in subscriptions. So it works brilliantly as a revenue model. So they really don't care about the local fans. Yeah. So the local fans are the ones who are extremely affected. Yeah. Especially in Europe, especially in places like uh, England, even in Spain, even in Germany, Italy. These clubs have been around for more than a century. Yeah? Like people yeah. associate their family yeah. generations, associate themselves with the club. Most of their happiest things in their memories, in their family, in their lives have been around these football clubs, in and around the football clubs or the successes of the football clubs. So you're taking that away from them. Yeah. I mean, you and I are what? Like you're sitting in Bandra, I'm sitting in Thane. <laughs> we don't care much. But I'm talking about the fans who, who live their lives, whose parents live their lives, whose grandparents live their lives around these clubs. And I think both of us have seen the lo lo loyalty, right? We've been to those cities. We've seen those games, right? We've seen like every small cafe. You know which club they're attributed, their fans, the owner is belongs to because there'll be flags, there'll be, you know, pictures on the wall. And if you're in Barcelona, you see every, almost every cafe has the Barcelona flag or the Catalonian flag or the Barcelona logo or a Messi jersey or something like that. It's those guys that are affected. Yes, the two clubs, say, for example, if you give Real Madrid and Barcelona, if you go to the matches, right? If it's a normal league game, about 80% of their fans are tourists, right? And that is the crowd they are appealing to, as you rightly pointed out, in the subscription or the, you know, direct-to-customer model that they are planning or what they would plan to have through the Super League. Because uh, the big games it will generally go to season ticket holders. So it's lesser scope for tourists to be there. But smaller games on a midweek, you are generally going to look at all the guys who are in Madrid or in Barcelona and on a holiday and they're like, hey, sasta mein ticket mila, let's go and watch. And that's majority. Like when I went for a useless uh, Madrid game, it was, I didn't see any ultras. They were just tourists, right? Uh, but when I went to Inter Milan versus Barcelona at the Camp Nou or, you know, Atletico Madrid versus Real Madrid at the call, they were only ultras. They were like hardcore loyal fans watching those games. And what they are trying to do with this model, as you absolutely correctly pointed out, is that they are taking care of both. For the ultras and the loyalists, they will have these big games every week. 
but for people who do not have access to watch these big games like tourists who represent 80% of their normal ticket day they will also get to watch these big games similarly with the loyalists through these subscription models so it's basically everyone has access to a big game all the time instead of it being split in terms of big game small game and the type of fans that attend so you know that's a very good point you made it made me think about this and you know that's going to be a very interesting thing because the world will go football will have to go digital if it wants to monetize this but then you're looking at the big fan bases you have the real madrid barcelona united for example but what happens to you know say an arsenal or a tottenham who don't have a problem arsenal do tottenham who do not probably have such a global reach uh what will happen to it's it's still going to be a stage where these elite clubs there will be clubs that will lag behind in that elite league as well it's a lot of risk right uh like a club like barcelona real madrid they are risking a lot of their prestige by joining a league like this because who knows they might finish bottom that goes to show how much fucked up they are financially because they they are in absolute doldrums like real madrid started this uh, stadium construction project and they made tons of investment in the 1920s last season they didn't buy anything which is which is which is a, which is a historic moment in itself in real madrid's history in enhanced yeah. history that where they didn't make any signing which is they, in fact they ended up selling people rather than signing people uh, yeah. so all that came back to bite them it's a, it's a well documented yeah. story how bad barcelona has been run no point in discussing that coming back to your point of arsenal and tottenham arsenal as you rightly pointed out have ton of fans in fact us arsenal yeah. united are the two biggest clubs Uh, even in india even in india arsenal and united might, must have the largest number yeah. of fans i don't know the exact stats but by perception arsenal and united will have the most number of fans so that's why arsenal got in yeah now tottenham got in because that they have reached a certain level of status when it comes to yeah. social media presence when it comes to fans following now this is where I am a little suspicious about Daniel Levy what he has been doing over the last 2 3 years first the stadium two he went and did a lot of partnership with NFL if you remember NFL came down to play a game at Spurs stadium NFL came down to play a game at Wembley when Spurs was playing in Wembley so he was always having that tie up with the american sporting giants like nfl and everything yeah third that amazon documentary all or nothing there was no content at all it was yeah random yeah all or nothing nahi hai it's nothing there is nothing it, there is no all it's nothing <laughs> <laughs> there is no surprise there <laughs> and it ended up to be nothing i mean the whole fact that mourinho got sacked that no one's talking about him <laughs> yeah I think that's a smart move by Levy. They sacked him when they knew that it'll hurt Mourinho that nobody will talk about him. A, that is that, and B, now they have a financial security, right? He wasn't firing Mourinho because he had to pay him a lot of money. But that he has money if this happens, it's still not. I'm pretty sure they must have given some assurance. I again, like going yeah. back to the same point that these guys must have planned this every step. There's there's some master professor sitting. behind it behind the scenes with the specs on with some tens screens in front yeah. of him with the mics he's mic'd up and talking to people and giving instructions 
I can all I can imagine someone the actual VAR yeah someone in a black suit the financial VAR <laughs> someone in a black suit like holding his hands together like this and talking yeah. in a hushed tone <laughs> coming back to fans so I'm going to do that study I'm going to see how these fans viewers split up I want to see how many are your core fans how many are your fans that want to watch a foot football match how many are tourist watchers watchers who watch with someone else my friend is watching so i'll also watch so it'd be very interesting to study that and see what percentage of fans with who we expect will continue to watch this you know this will this will split the fans also into two now you will definitely going to you're definitely going to have one set of fans who absolutely hate, hate this european super league they will start uh, they'll start following other clubs in protest like you will see liverpool fans following everton in protest you will suddenly see the increase in everton's fan following you will suddenly see an increase in leeds fan following suddenly see an increase in leicester's fan following so you will see that might happen so so there is a lot of money to be lost to be to, to lose there number 2 is how are they going to react to these player bans now how are the fans going to react to these player bans how are the players going to react to these player bans in fact we completely forgot about the players the freaking players who is ultimately going to end up playing these games a lot of extremities have been thrown across uh, by uefa as well because uefa you know a lot not too many people are sympathizing with uefa in this they're against the super league but not because poor uefa or poor fifa it's about the poor fans let's get that very clear nobody is sympathizing uefa have mismanaged a lot and fifa as well they play the money game as well to give you an example you know when the valencia game happened there was a racism issue they should have come down hard on that issue but when money was in the picture where about you know the super league being formed etc they are making public statements on a daily basis when the super league was formed the founders or all the members had no intention of separating from the leagues or separating from the domestic competitions or international it's similar to literally jab 10 saal pehle isl bana tha isl when they <coughs> started they had no intention that if you are in isl they won't get a bcci contract right that was not the plan but that's how bcci slash uefa react right because they are also the money ballers right they are exactly in a way the same bcci said if you are playing an icl you never play for india again icl i think i think you meant icl sorry icl sorry not isl icl my bad uefa and fifa are threatening similar actions but actually getting that to work is a different story because the club has made a decision that they are doing the super league the players are already in the club so idly if they want to actually act on it it will be come players coming into the club post this going live should be banned I mean what does a luka what is luka modric's fault of not playing for croatia he's been in madrid for 8 year 9 years and real madrid have taken the step how is that his fault or whatever so the players should not suffer uh, and i don't think they will that will actually impact fans because you cannot have a croatia you know the fans of croatia being okay with their captain not playing and i'm just using modric as example but think of the likes of de bruyne is of the world not playing for belgium ronaldo not playing for portugal ronaldo that's you're going into the as you said the governments will have to get involved 
because then that is demeaning the prestige of the entire country only so this is where my next point is on how these people are going to encounter this now my question is a didn't they expect this level of reaction i i, I don't know whether they expected governments to react i i i expect they they would have expected fans to react they would have expected the respective leagues to react the respective fas to react ex players pundits they must have expected all this but i am not sure whether they expected the governments will react now again as you rightly pointed out esl's uh, aim is not to break away from the domestic competition their aim is to only break away from champions league their proposal of esl is we are not going to break away from the domestic leagues we are going to only play esl instead of champions league in fact they came on top of it and said that we are okay with champions league also being run parallelly we are not even against that we just want another competition for ourselves if you are banning from champions league okay well and good we'll play only esl now this was one this was one report i was uh, going through yesterday on sky sports ka channel their reporter has Uh, mentioned that he spoke to one of the board members of the top six uh, English clubs who agreed to this. He didn't obviously didn't mention the name of the club, name of the person. What what he said that that person quoted was that they don't care if they get uh, removed from the domestic league. In fact, they would prefer them getting removed from one of the leagues so that like it gives them more time to play ESL. they won't mind if the players get banned from international competitions because again it will help the players to play only this league these are very disappointing to see at one end like how deep they have gone into this they are being very open about it yeah this, we are doing this you calling it bad you are calling it evil whatever it is we are doing this so these guys knew exactly what they are doing now interesting to see how they are going to handle this international ban and especially with international ban being in place you're not going to get superstars many superstars won't prefer playing now when you don't have superstars who's going to watch the games they're absolutely not after european markets this is asian and american markets chinese market indian market american market these are the markets they are after and these markets rely on superstars this why there's a very simple reason why lot of clubs follow real madrid lot of fans follow real madrid and barcelona yeah very simple it's cristiano ronaldo lionel messi it's it's yeah. extremely simple. it started with beckham exactly beckham was beckham was primarily bought for commercial reason it just turns out that he was a great footballer as well and that's where real madrid's asian market skyrocketed it overtook united because united was number one because of beckham and then when we got Beckham, the Korean markets, everything. It became Real Madrid, and similarly with when Ronaldo and Messi, you know, they go to China, Japan to play these preseason games, and that's where the most of the revenue happens. And also, another good point is preseason didn't happen. That's also a good amount of revenue they've missed out on in the last couple of years. And you know, it brings me back to the Champions Cup that happens in the US, right? I think that was the breeding child of. the european super league because you at that time you know it had that the big clubs playing against each other in different batches and then they face the final together even if you lose i think that's was the first i'm just thinking like these big clubs might have thought you know this could actually work because the stadiums like nfl stadiums were being packed with fans to see the big names and they thought that you know this is a model that can actually be expanded into Since you brought that topic, very interesting point. The Champions Cup. 
Now, let me give you an example. We have seen Real Madrid and Barcelona playing a lot of pre-season games. We have seen uh, Madrid derbies. We have seen Clásicos. We have seen Manchester United, Real Madrid playing. Manchester United, Liverpool playing pre pre-season games in US. Have we bothered to watch the game? I have never bothered to watch those games. Irrespective of the fact that those games will have Messi, those games will have Ronaldo, those games will have your Ibrahimovic and all your Wayne Rooney's and everyone, still haven't bothered to watch those games. Now, that poses me as a fan another question. Will I watch a Real Madrid and Barcelona and European Super League? Or will I consider that European Super League as an International Champions Cup game and won't watch? Have, have these European Super League clubs accounted for that? Did they think that any Real Madrid and Barcelona match will generate me viewership? I'm going to make money. It will for the first couple of years and then it will just get... It's not a sustainable model, as you said. Right? It, for the first year, it will be like, wow, the first time you know, in an ESL, the Classico, whatever. You can sell that. But how do you sell it in year two? How do you sell it in year three, year four, right? I'm not even worried about year two, year three. I'm worried about month two, month three. Like <laughs> last month only Real Madrid Barcelona came. Next month we queue. Yeah, because if you're following an NBA format, right? In a division, you're playing each other at least seven to eight times. Um, there are home series, away series. If you're looking at the baseball side, like each division will play each other 34 times. In, although they are 164 games in a season, but they play each other 34 times. If they're following American models, the rivalries will go away, right? NBA does not have rivalries in terms of, so to speak. They have rivalries in terms of championships. If you see Lakers versus Celtics, it's like because they are number one and two in terms of number of titles. But there's no New York, New York Knicks and Brooklyn Nets rivalry. Like that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist a specific. So that will be a, a thing that, as you rightly pointed, I don't think they've factored in it. They've, they've, they're so desperate. They're, use, they're looking at the utopian business outcome of this process. So I think that's where I think I completely agree with you. I think we've covered majority of the points that you know everyone is probably interested. But I think there's one facet of listeners that we hope to have other fans of clubs who are probably who are not in this Super League. Uh, you know, the clubs like, you know, then those are big clubs by resume as well as fan following. You know, if you look at the clubs like Napoli, Roma, uh, you know, Sevilla, Valencia, you know, these are really big historical clubs that are not going to be a part of this league. They might be part of the, you know, the five clubs that keep going in and out. But as of now in the unreplaceables they are uh, not there so i want to know bala what your thoughts are on how this would impact clubs like them uh, financially as well as in terms of viewership etc financially it will be a big hole in their pocket because most of these clubs entirely depend on the tv money that they get out of playing the league now this tv money gets generated because that these clubs have these countries have these big clubs, like Spain have these, Real Madrid, Barcelona, English clubs have these big clubs, so on and so forth. Now, to give you an example, an average English club makes about 100 million, 100 million to 125 to 130 million euros uh, or pounds per uh, season, out of purely out of TV money. Now, imagine this 125, 130 million euros amount 
getting cut by half or more than half. Now that's a massive, massive chunk in your revenue stream. Yeah. So these clubs are going to get affected by that. However, there is an another revenue stream that's going to open out of this, which is again going to tie us back to the concept of players of these clubs. Now these European super clubs obviously are going to fall short of superstars at some point of time yeah. because none of these players playing these uh, playing for these clubs have contract for eternity yeah. they'll maximum have another 2 or 3 years of contract left now what's going to happen to that point number 1 point number 2 they are eventually going to run out of players like ronaldo and messi are not going to continue playing for the next 5 years they'll yeah. probably retire or god knows who's going to happen to them so they need to create a pool of players pool of superstars coming into the league now where are they going to go for those superstars and also i think another point sorry to just to add to that because they have alienated these smaller clubs smaller clubs are the general populous for breeding the talent ronaldo came out of sporting lisbon if they are completely alienate clubs like that the new next superstar will not be able to join the super league exactly exactly my point so what's going to happen now they'll have to go to your sevilla they'll have to go to your leicester they'll have to go to dortmund to buy players now are these clubs a are they going to sell those players b are the respective countries uh, football associations going to allow them to sell those players third and most important point if they sell are they going to charge the same price they are charging right now they eventually going to add a zero to the number yeah okay you have 260 million okay pay me 100 million pay me 200 million yeah so it's going to be very it's going to be very interesting to see how these clubs are going to handle it in a financial way let's take the emotions out of it yeah how they are going to handle this financially now that's again poses a question to these super clubs how are they going to spend the money they are going to get 250 260 300 million dollars whatever yeah now if they are going to spend a bulk of that money again on player purchase again on player you're contracts you're going down the same rabbit hole exactly you are doing the same mistake again and again so this this is why i have a very strong feeling that this may not be a success this will really really endanger these clubs reputation a lot i think the core of this was created also when the financial fair play system was built where the big clubs were completely against it it was basically to protect the mid level to small clubs to have some kind of standing when competing with these big bigger clubs because you the financial play, fair play system was built upon you can only spend an x amount if you earn an x amount a lot of clubs if you without the fair play would basically go all out like say and they still have unsustainably if you look at barcelona right they bought unsustainably they could not sustain the type of players at the salaries they got for the long term they had to let go but under value currently a haland would cost you 100 million when you can't afford a 100 million when you are worth 250 million more they will charge 200 million so you're back at square one so everything will balance itself out in a way where the actual merit of creating a separate league does not exist anymore that's where i i feel that you know they've not thought this through completely they have been you know taking a lot of assumptions and assuming these assumptions would go their way yeah true players will be able to play for their country the leagues will be okay with it 
the leagues will be okay or the clubs will be okay to let go of their superstars to these bigger clubs because who wouldn't want to play in the super league this will actually be good for football so it's taking a lot of assumptions and assuming that these assumptions go their way it does not work in the real world like that everything gets skewed against them because of them creating this system what will happen to players who have to be thrown out of these clubs exactly we are only talking about influx but what about the out people going out like a griezmann if he has to be he has to leave barcelona and assuming no no none of the other top 15 want to take him what does he do with his career so it's then you're again as i said as the beginning you're moving into contracts like the nba where there are 10 year contracts with multiple free agencies you know veteran signings etc you're moving into those because that is the only way this model works yeah then you are completely alienating the entire world and then what i agree with then uefa then you can't even you can't do any of this you can't play for your national club you can't do it like you know there doesn't exist a global uh, nba other than the olympics where you know the countries face each other there are euros but there's no world cup there's fiba but who watches fiba so and even in fiba none of the nba players are generally playing for the united states only in the olympics they sometimes do so it breaks a lot of pre existing systems what i feel is that europe uefa and fifa will have to rework their numbers and go back to these big clubs and say okay we worked out a better model where yes you will pr- probably get a f- bigger piece of the pie but that pie will have to be based on merit it has to be based on merit it cannot be otherwise apna ye india ka education system ke reservation quota ho jayega exactly it is it is exactly like a reservation quota like we have a legacy so we will always get that 15 positions we want yeah so that's that's unfair that's competition it's a broken system right it's a yeah. broken system that's unfair competition that's exactly one of the one of the major points raised by many of the ex players and your administrators this brings us back to the question of why a big club like bayern then go for it because many clubs see this was initially started by as you pointed out those those five six big clubs and then the other clubs were asked to join like what i feel is chelsea man city arsenal tottenham inter milan ac milan atletico madrid all these clubs have joined because they just don't want to be left out yeah they are like neither now that they okay, i'll come there i'm going to make more money i really never give a shit about this i'll leave more money i'll come there if tomorrow everyone makes a very strong statement they'll come back here and play so they are perfect uh, they they may not be as involved as your real madrids and barcelonas but they are also there but that's the point why we're trying to the point that we're trying to bring is why bayern munich is not a part of this yeah. that's because the defending champions exactly champions exactly and more importantly is the way how these german clubs run so german clubs have this 51% stake for fans model so every major german club as per the country's regulation uh, the fans should own 51% or more of the club stake only the remaining 49% or less is owned by the one who run the club so that's why most of these clubs are very well run first of all they are financially much more stable and fans have a lot of say in what they do and that's why you see clubs like rb leipzig clubs like hoffenheim clubs like wolfsburg clubs like bayern leverkusen have been traditionally hated by a lot of 
hardcore German fans. You will see a lot of uh, bizarre things happening around the Leipzig game. I mean, not in the last one and a half years with no fans. But if you remember that there was this head of a bull thrown on the field uh, against, I think it was a game against Leipzig and Bayern. So these kind of things are very, very important for German fans. They're very vocal about it. They're very vocal about maintaining the integrity of the game. That's why German clubs have said clearly said no. Because if there was a German club who had said yes to this, you will see a different reaction from German fans. So that's how these other clubs are. That's how we think the other clubs are going to react. And that's what is going to happen to the clubs who are not a part of this ESL. And obviously, I can understand why they feel cheated also. Because it's like saying, I bat, I stumps, I ball, so I opening. But, you know, also if you look at it, all the big clubs, right, have in one way or the other been penalized by UEFA in their last five, six years. You know, transfer bans. Um, if you look at, you know, financial pay, fair play breaches or signing younger players than they should, like how Barcelona was. City has forever been against UEFA to an extent where when the Champions League anthem plays, they still boo. So there are a lot of these aspects that, you know, they have been against or very vocal against UEFA and they were always looking for a way to have a, you know, get the better of them one way or the other, right? And that is also one aspect, like the moment they had the chance to say, you know, screw you, UEFA, we have our another outlet, they took it. Meaning, while I agree that, you know, they were the, they're not as influential as say a Madrid or Barcelona, you know, or a United, like when they talk, people have to listen because they influence the game in a, in a lot of ways. They are also the smaller, like not smaller, but the other clubs are also equally important in the dynamics of this league being created because a city, for example, holds huge strategic value in the Middle East for these big clubs. You get a city and hopefully eventually a PSG, you control the Middle East in terms of ad commercials. That's a huge pile of money going away. I could not see if a city or a, a PSG, I'm just thinking out loud here, uh, if they'd not been owned by the Middle East, I do not see a Qatar World Cup happening because the popularity wouldn't exist. Uh, so there's a lot of importance given to the Middle Eastern regions as well. And that's why the Super League creation, they are actually very important pieces of the puzzle to join it. Because then FIFA and a lot of things go awry for FIFA. Because that's where the oil is. Yeah. See, FIFA, again, since we're in the topic of, since we're discussing about administrators, football administrators, FIFA plays a very major role. I mean, they're yeah. shit. There is no hiding away from the it's fact that FIFA... It's a known fact they're shit. It's a known fact they're shit. So, and their statement also, a very generic statement. They haven't come out and publicly said anything against it or for it. The subtext of their entire statement, which is three paragraph long is, you guys are grown-ups. Please sort it out amongst yourself. At the end of the day, we need money. Please make sure we get our money. So that is the subtext of FIFA's entire statement. What I'm also, you know, as we near the end of this podcast, what I'm also worried about is that if this happens, who is stopping another separate league being created by other clubs? Like a parallel league, a completely parallel another parallel league. Yeah. Like, who is stopping a Napoli, Roma, Sevilla, Valencia, Leeds, Leicester saying, okay, they did it. We also own our own piece of the pie. Let's create our own league. 
and then it just goes on because how do you stop them from saying because you said you let these guys go why can't we create our own and you know get our piece of the pie and then it just goes on and on and then you, it you don't know and then it just the viewership of the sport will drop for sure if everything is put in silos uh and that's what i'm truly worried about is the sustainability of the sport if this model is encouraged another point which i was thinking is that they are trying to make this sport a commodity so that is yeah. not going well with a lot of passionate football fans they don't want to see this as a commodity they don't want to see this as a money making machine that's also delusional in a way by the loyal fans because everyone knows it is a commodity in a way your fans are not getting their big new players without for free right on emotion they are getting it on money so i and while i understand the hardcore loyal being completely against it but if say a madrid or barcelona does not have money they are not getting a mbappe or a haland uh, so in 5 years time they can't buy any big player they are not going to be the real madrid or barcelona so people you know want to kind of ignore those aspects and just say oh fans will suffer so as i said in the beginning that there is a point that these big clubs are making and people have to listen to it it's not that they are just saying oh we want to be rich and we are rich now we want to be richer there is a perspective that we have to understand that they are making as well and uefa will have to figure their shit out because if they don't figure out a solution make because the ball is in their court right now completely whatever they say now will impact the sport like suffering coming out and making these threats is not helping right it's not helping a solution yes i agree that uh, agnelli for example did a lot of shady things in terms of saying one thing and doing the other woodward did the same but we know this about woodward for a while united ask you any united fan what they feel about woodward you know so it's a bit naive of seferin to trust them but still i'm just saying it the ball is in uefa's court to figure this out if they come out with a better model you know definitely work on that 31 team model which is a little ridiculous for me which they have approved which they have approved, they have approved yes. yesterday which they have approved then these big clubs will listen because you know it's at the end it's a business it's going to be if you are pleasing the business side of it everything else falls in place the best thing the best thing for me to come out of this will be uefa and fifa getting in line more assurance from uefa and fifa about football administration individual countries relooking the way they run football in their country especially england based on what i have seen over the last two days yeah. coming out from football administrators politicians in england that they are going to have a serious relook at how the sports being run in their country some of the reports that i saw a couple of statements not reports stating that they are seriously considering the german way of running england football giving control back to fans that is something that will prevent these kind of things happening and they are very serious about it so in a way i see this announcement of european super league not the best but the most necessary shake up that the entire football world needed at this point of time so on that note i think uh, we've written an extended essay or spoken an extended essay on this but there's still so much to talk about there's so many but you know as the news unfolds be assured that we will be making our notes and sharing what our thoughts about these are in our next podcast we've actually not had the time this week to talk about any of the matches that happened in the in the premier league 
or anything uh, because you know we both came to an agreement that this is what is moving the football world right now so let's spend entire podcast on talking about it so forgive us if it bored you but i don't think it would that's it for today thank you everyone for listening to our take on the so called european super league if you like what you heard please share it with your fellow sports podcast listeners and for more content or even if you want us to discuss any other sports related topic please do reach out to us on twitter at sportscharcha bye bye